that's a bad analogy. I'm going to cut that. No, it's a bad analogy. I think it will go at the end of the show. All right. Honest Andy's Discount Moon Show. Welcome to the show where we talk all about things moon related. My name's Andy and I run the Lunatic channel, which talks about all moon related stuff. And this is my good friend, Rick, who is the in- <laughs> In-expert, <laughs> the non-moon expert. To ask the layman's- Questions about moons and why. Yes, and if this sounds a little disjointed, it's because we recorded it after another bit. So now we're gonna go into the bit we recorded beforehand now. Hello, Andy. Hello, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well also. Just come back from holiday. And during my trip, I was thinking how, you know, I quite like to streamline the show a little bit just to make it a little bit snappier and maybe not scrape the barrel in terms of like very local moon news or anything like that and maybe prioritise certain news stories just to keep it a nice concise under an hour show and then I come back and start compiling the show notes and there's just a torrent of moon news like some of which was released today and I was editing the notes in work because there's that much stuff going on. That was it yeah I did <laughs> but just just while you're away we all agreed let's all do moon stuff. Uh, well, <laughs> Andy's away let's let's just everyone uh, we got the United Nations together and said right everyone declare all your moon landing satellite projects uh, just do it he's away he will never notice. Is that why coronavirus has gotten out of hand because they were focusing on doing moon stuff as opposed to focusing on the virus at hand. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. But so yeah, no, I, I was surprised because you sent me moon notes. I was like, oh yeah, I'll just quickly go through those. I was like, flipping heck. <laughs> I'm going to start billing professional rates for going through this. because Please don't. <laughs> You'll bankrupt the podcast immediately on its budget of zero. Yeah. But yeah, we do have quite a lot to chat about. So let's just jump straight into moon news. Yeah, uh, which one? <laughs> so let's do some moon news. Uh, and I promise not to talk about Yutu 2 or U22 again unless something significant happened. And two stories have happened at once. Okay, sorry, just for new listeners, U22 is China's lunar rover trogging around the moon as we speak. Yes, it's on the dark side of the moon. It's the only probe to have done a soft landing on the far side of the moon and released a little rover that's gone as long as it has. Oh, actually, I think they had Chang'e 3, but I'm not sure if that was on the dark side. It might have been on the dark side of the moon. Either way, this has uh, been a very successful mission so far. It's the longest ever moon rover, and it's been taking lots of interesting photos. A couple of weeks ago, it discovered a gel-like substance, which was a mistranslation when it really meant glass. Uh, and this time, it's spotted some youngish-looking moon rocks. <laughs> I did read that headline and go, all right, yeah. Uh, yeah, young moon rocks. I did read that. Uh, how young is a young moon rock? So it could be between 10 to 100 million years. Right. Or, or 1 to 2 billion years. <laughs> right. Uh, as, as the voice of non-moon expert, te technically we're all shouting, that's not young, that's, that's genuinely quite old. Okay, young relative to the age of the moon, which is about 3.8 billion years old, I think. Wow. Right. Yeah, so, so 10 million in comparison to 3.8 billion. Okay, yeah. It's still, still relatively young. And the reason why they think they're young moon rocks is because they're brighter and on the surface, which indicate that they are like from ejector from a big 
explosion that happened due to a meteorite impact on the moon and it will have flung up this debris into this area. As you can see in the photo, there's lots of different rocks around all the same size and shape indicated it's like scattering debris. <laughs> the photo looks like sort of a bunch of rocks because I was expecting the photo to be... <laughs> <laughs> to, to, just to describe it to the non-experts, because I was expecting to be like young moon rocks, they've all got skateboards and sunglasses. And, <laughs> however, no, they are just, sort of, yes, brighter and so on. Uh, what is the benefit of a young moon rock compared to an old one? Um, well, I guess it would be richer in isotopes, so that will allow you to date some <laughs> to date the young moon rocks. <laughs> As I was saying that sentence. This speech is going downhill. <laughs> young hot moon rocks in your area. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically in the van. Sorry, in the van? No, no, no. <laughs> there you go. Specifically in the von Karman crater area. Right. <laughs> Not the van. Young hot moon rocks in the van. I'm terribly sorry. I'm, I'm being a terrible newsreader. What would the benefit of this be? Well, just knowing more about the moon, basically. That, that's what it stems to. Uh, the article indicates that it could be from the highlands because it's white. So this would tell you that, oh, there was a, a meteor impact on the lunar highlands, and therefore this white rock was flung all the way across the moon into this crater. That's all it's going to tell you, really. It, what it might help you do, because the rover can't actually get up onto the highlands, but if there's a bit of the highlands on a bit that it can do some experiments on, then you're going to gain a bit more knowledge of what is there. The lunar highlands? Mm, yeah. Is that north or lands that are high? Is it got Scottish people? It hasn't got Scottish people, no. <laughs> uh, the highlands would be the like crater rims. So you have these huge craters that have like these big rims, and because there was tectonic activity on the moon at one point, this will have created mountains as well. So you have lunar highlands. Not as fun as Scottish highlands, unfortunately. You can't tell people that there's lunar haggis running around there. <laughs> no caber-tossing competitions, nor... Uh... No, but the distance would be incredible. Yes. <laughs> just... uh, but yes, YouTube 2 has taken some photos of some hot young moon rocks, and it's also done some penetrating as well. Has it? Yes, into the ground. Um, How's it done that? It's got a it's got a little <laughs> stick, and it sticks it into the ground, and it uh, has done some radar tests. There has been some radar tests done during the Apollo missions, but not as advanced as it was this time, and not on the dark side of the moon. And what did they find? Well, they found pretty much what they thought they were going to do, which was in the crater, there was a lot of lava from when the impact first happened. And then on top of that, there's like a thin layer of biggish rocks. That's from impact debris that's happened over the years. And then you got the lunar soil on top. So lava, rocks, soil. Pretty much what we thought it would be anyway. Yes. But it's, well, not, it's nice to know. Yes, scientifically, it's confirmatory evidence. <laughs> uh, just, to, just to reinforce a, a hypothesis. So it's not non-valuable. It, exactly. It's confirmatory information, nice and valuable, and not really much else to say about UT2 other than keep on trucking, keep going. Just as a quick follow-on from that one, uh, we've got Chandrayaan-3 has been announced, and that's the Indian mission to replace Chandrayaan-2. Yes. Well, Chandrayaan-3 was already kind of in the works, but um, they've released the, the trailer for it on, on their YouTube channel, basically. It's got very dramatic music. Needlessly dramatic, I'd say, considering you have, like, full swell of violins to a rod going into the soil. 
yeah, so this is like a CGI representation of what it will look like to yeah. capture the imagination or, and to um, bulk up a press release, presumably. Yeah. Uh, do you do that thing that I do is when you see a shiny object on a film, you look at the reflection to see if you can see the camera? Ooh, I it's, have been doing that recently, yeah. yeah. Things like YouTube or something, because obviously Hollywood films, they've, they've worked out how to do that. Yeah. But I was doing that on this one, and I think, well, it's obviously not going because it's CGI. Like, there is no physical camera in a CGI, <laughs> they, unless they're particularly... They would have to deliberately render one in, uh, just yeah. so it can reflect off. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's why I can't see it, because this is a completely artificial picture, yeah. Oh, OK, yeah. so I, th I thought we were going to say there was actually a camera. <laughs> <laughs> they go above and beyond here. Yeah, that was it. Uh, if you're wondering what Chandrian 3 will do, it's pretty much exactly the same as Chandrian 2, but uh, they're going to save quite a bit of money because they're going to use the orbiter that's already around the moon. They're going to copy what Chang'e 4 and U-22 are doing, where you have your satellite, your lander, and your rover inside it. Uh, so other than check out this hot new trailer, there's not much else to say about Chandrian 3. It's in the works, and it's planned for launch in 2021. In the fall of 2021. So NASA, we all know, is going back to the moon. But at the moment, it seems like it's one small step for NASA and one giant leap for the commercial space industry. Because... There's been a lot of headway and a lot of announcements made of like these grand plans that are going to be helping NASA get to the moon. Yeah, I can only presume that they listened to our last podcast where we said everyone's rushing to the moon to <laughs> nickel the minerals and resources and now everyone's, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to the moon, but we're doing non-nicking stuff. Well, then again, if you know that you haven't got the technology to get the things from the moon, why not monetize the path that gets you to the moon? Uh, in a show I really like called Boardwalk Empire, it's about bootlegging and someone wanted to get in on the bootlegging game and they were like, nah, nah, you're not, we're not letting you in. So what this guy did was he bought and took over pretty much the only petrol station between Atlantic City and New York. So the vans had to fill up at this petrol station and he wouldn't let them. So he kind of like held them at ransom through petrol and then they had to pay their way to get through. And that's, I'm not saying that this is like moon <laughs> bootlegging or anything like that, but they, these companies are like, well, we can't get the resources from the moon, but what we can do is monetize getting to the moon. So this is a UK satellite company, SSTL, which stands for... It stands for Surrey Satellites Technology Limited or <laughs> Laboratory or something. Um, yeah, the reason Andy pointed to me there is because I, I kind of knew of them back 10 years ago or so when they started, because uh, I worked at Kinetic, which was sort of down the road. Also, I just, I've just i always found that Surrey Satellite sounds like a local satellite company. <laughs> <laughs> just if you, if you want, if you're from Hampshire and you want satellites, you obviously just go to Hampshire Satellites. And, and for those people who don't know Surrey, it's quite a well-to-do area of, uh, you know, commuter belt people. So I wouldn't be surprised if a few people have their own satellite system, you know, dear. Uh, well, yes. We're not going to use that American GPS, we're going to use ours. We're from Surrey, <laughs> don't you know? Mummy, Daddy, I would like to watch the Cartoon Network, please. <laughs> we can only pick it up on satellite television. I would like the Cartoon Network, please, Mummy and Daddy. Oh, yeah, certainly, Tarquin. We won't have you watching it via other people's common Sky TV satellite. We will buy your very own. Let us all go to the showroom of Surrey Satellites. <laughs> You walk in and there's like Classic FM. Classic FM? Oh dear, how populist. Ra Radio 3, sir. Ra if not, an actual live band. <laughs> a string quartet. 
the BBC Philharmonic, they keep on retainer. <laughs> yes. Good old Sorry Satellite. New <laughs> technology with a traditional style. Yes, so Sorry Satellite is going to help... <laughs> Sorry, just to confirm for legal reasons, that might not be Sorry Satellites. <laughs> uh, the company, SSTL, potentially Sorry, sorry Satellites, uh, they've been given the go-ahead to produce a telecommunications spacecraft for the moon. And what it will do is it will go into a highly elliptical orbit. So it'll get really close up to the moon to allow the transmissions to go a short distance. And then it'll go way, way out so it can see the moon from a distance and receive big wave uh, radio waves to allow for communication back to Earth from all sorts of satellites. What they're proposing is that anyone can send a probe to the moon and pay to use this telecommunications satellite to relay stuff back. So Im imagine if like Thunderbirds monetized um, <laughs> Thunderbird 5. Right. <laughs> like, yes. okay. We can use it for international rescue, but if Heart FM wants to blast out Bring Me a Higher Love, they can pay us and we can get Thunderbirds 6 through 10. Yeah, that's... <laughs> we'll offset the costs of other Thunderbirds. Uh, Timmy, you just have to die in a well. We're not going to rescue you because Shawaddy Waddy is playing <laughs> and they're, they're more lucrative. What if Shawaddy Waddy aren't, but the DFS commercials surely are. <laughs> We're going back to that Rick O'Shea episode of Thunderbirds. I did watch that. I did. Oh, well, did I watched the, yeah, I watched the clip. So this is back a few podcasts where there was actually a pirate DJ in one of the Thunderbird episodes yeah. broadcasting from a satellite. And I got a bit angry that that's not how you would do it. Did it annoy you even more? It, it did and it didn't because Rick O'Shea did live up to the what, what I thought he would be. <laughs> but, but you said his name was Rick O'Shea. Yeah. Uh, but his name was not. It was Rick gun sound effect, O'Shea. Uh, okay. Which is just so much better. And if you can insert a gun sound effect there. I'll use the actual clip because I think it'll be under three seconds so I can use it yeah. as part of fair use. Yeah, so if you, if you can just replace that, that, that is a different name. Because there's Rick O'Shea and Rick O'Shea. Okay, you, you mean like this? With yours truly, Rick O'Shea. Like, I think this is such a, a good, lucrative idea that they've decided to invest in because this also allows smaller companies because up until now if you sent out a tiny little robot like the terribly named walking rover by Spacebit what they would have to do is have something orbiting the earth that they could transmit back up to the satellite because there's no way a cube the size of I don't know half the size of a laptop is going to contain something that can transmit data back to earth it has to transmit it either to a lander, like what Yututu and Changi 4 is doing, or beam it up to an orbiter. And this orbiter from SSTL, from Soria Satellite, is... <laughs> <laughs> Said in a Yorkshire accent. It just sounds like a Yorkshire thing. Yeah. Soria Satellite. Like, the words sound Yorkshire in my It's mouth. local, yeah. Yeah, local satellites for local people. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> uh, but it allows smaller companies to use this. Yeah, it, it's setting up the, the infrastructure. But... It's not just these little companies that are going to be using it. ESA, European Space Agency, and NASA have all said they would like to contribute to helping this get set up because they would like to use it as well. This is this is a big deal for this, uh, for SSTL, for Surrey Satellite. Uh, yeah, well, it's also for the UK as well. You know, to be able to run a telecommunications network in space, that's great. 
could be the first steps of an intergalactic telecommunications uh, strategy that Britain's running. BT or GT for G galactic. Galactic telecom, imagine that. All the, all the uh, efficiency of BT done on a galactic basis. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I also noticed in the press release it said that uh, the UK is looking to make greater use of Goonhilly. And I was, what, what the heck is Goonhilly? Is it some sort of hick that we keep <laughs> for strategic, strategic uses? Some, some weird... <laughs> Yokel in a bunker in MOD or something. James Bond's cousin from Norfolk. <laughs> yeah, release Goonhilly. Uh, no, so I did have to uh, look at it, and it, it's a, a ground station uh, yeah. in in Cornwall. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, and it's called Goonhilly Teleport, which I think is really cute. It's a uh, it's a very sci-fi name, but like classic sci-fi. Like Goonhilly Teleport is the kind of thing I'd expect to hear in Captain Scarlet or Doctor Who. Like Tom Baker or Doctor Who. Uh, to, to me, it just sounds like a, a farce or a parody. Get into the Goonhilly teleport. It's like if the oh, Bev okay. Beverly Hillbillies did sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to go to Mars. Everyone get into the Goonhilly teleport. Here we go. If it's named after like someone who left their fortune to this vital piece of equipment that was instrumental during like the Apollo missions, then we're going to feel very bad. Let me just see where the name came from. Apparently, it's a Cornish word meaning hunting ground. They've not named it preemptively that there was like going to be a satellite communications dish there in future generations. Oh, there you go. I presume Goon is, is hunting and Hilly means ground that's kind of hilly. Well, Goon Hilly Downs is the site of special scientific interest, so they built a satellite dish on it. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's science. It still counts. Yeah. But the newts! We need to look after the newts! Nope, satellite. Still science. Yeah, We're also going to put this, uh, this nuclear waste here. Still science. Anything scientific, you can add it. <laughs> So this is great news for British companies, British private space companies. And on the other side of the pond in California, I believe, or Los Angeles, because uh, we've come across this company before, they're called Rocket Lab. And they are, they're helping NASA plan their route to the moon. They're basically doing a recce for them. <laughs> <laughs> really? Do you need a route planner for that? Come on. At the end of the road, go up. Yeah, that's it. Keep like, going for 384,000 kilometers. Yeah. You see, you see that big white thing in the sky? It's the freaking moon. <laughs> Just go for that. They're going to do something called cis-lunar orbits, which is in the general vicinity of the moon, and they're going to do a recce for NASA and pop this little cube sat on it, so it's about 25 kilograms. It's not, not big at all. So they're going to send this little CubeSat out. It'll take measurements, probably measuring like gravitational pull and whatnot, just to make sure it's super, super precise. So NASA knows exactly what to expect at what point in the orbit. Now what really kind of, that's just a sensible strategic thing. When I read this, I had in mind of, oh, how that's going to be worked into the budget and for them to contract it out to a private company, that makes sense. Especially when you consider that this is costing 9.95 million, which is pennies in terms of rocket budgets. Yeah, I mean, that that's, yeah, 9.95 million dollars in US, probably about eight 
million pounds UK. You can probably build a hotel for that or something like that. You know, yeah. that that's about uh, as in a big multi-room hotel. So it's sort of space rockets or these sort of projects are coming into the realm of standard civil engineering. Of yeah, yeah, yeah we'll go around the moon. Why not? It's that sort of pretty cheap to go around the moon now. What's your point? Don't ask us to build a hotel. They cost money. You know? <laughs> With the declining tourism industry, it seems like a bad investment, but lobbing bricks at the moon count as in. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that is... I, I did sort of look at that and go, right, really? That's quite cheap. Yeah. Well, these guys, this is the first time that they're launching something to the moon, and if it fails they can just build it again. Like 10 million is not that much in terms of the NASA budget. So they'll be like, okay, we'll just launch another one. Because what they've done in the past is just taken private commercial satellites up into low Earth orbit. So this is Rocket Lab's most ambitious mission to date, going to the moon. But this will put them in NASA's good graces and then take them to the next level, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's really good. I do, do like, it's like, this is their biggest thing to do so far. What have they done previously? Just thrown a tennis ball in the air. <laughs> no, they've, they've launched many, many rockets in the past. Like, this isn't their first one. It's like, right, we've built the little one with the parachute that we bought from Argus. Yeah. What next? I know, guys, I've, I've got a really ambitious idea. The moon. <laughs> but it, they are full of crazy ideas because at the moment their rockets are expendable, which means that once they're up, they'll blow up or just fall down into the sea, disintegrate into the atmosphere, which is quite wasteful. So they're building them to be durable and to retrieve them. And one of the things that they're going to try and do is, and I quote, attempt to snag a falling booster out of the sky with a helicopter, which is mental. That does sound like uh, a scene from James Bond. Yeah. Absolutely. But instead of a booster, it's just Q. Or, or... <laughs> I think the, 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 the plot's gone pretty bad if Q is like somehow falling from the sky. The evil man had him in the catapult. We need what to see... James Bond film has a catapult? When, when they have the, the time machine and go yeah, back okay. to the feudal era. Yeah. And I don't know why they'd have a helicopter. <laughs> it's a time-travelling helicopter. This is why I'm not allowed to write James Bond films. Yeah, stick to your moons. I'll stick to my moons. And Rocket Lab, good on you for getting to the moon. Exciting news now. Yes, very exciting news. Something that I'd like to celebrate, which is a new moon alert. Another one. Yes. Fantastic. Oh, I bet it's one of those foreign moons <laughs> on another planet that we'll never see. Uh, not quite. It's Earth. Earth. Wow. Earth has another moon. I know Earth. I live there. Earth has another moon. For now. Right, because I've looked up in the sky and there's one there. Although there is a little uh, light next to it that's been there for a few days. You mean Venus? Venus, all right. Is that our moon now? Brilliant. That is not our moon oh. now. <laughs> screw you, Venus. You're our moon. Oh, we'd be in big trouble if it was. That would really screw up the tides. <laughs> okay, fair one. Yeah. Stay where you are, Venus. We, we meant no harm. We'll love you from a distance. Yeah, Earth now has a temporary moon, which is an asteroid that's been caught up in its orbit. Right. So it's not a big moon is the first thing to... No, they, they think it's between two and three and a half metres wide. Right. That, that's lame moon. That's about as big as a car. A, a small car as well, like right. a Fiat 500. Right. Okay. So yeah, because I, I was reading this because you know Star Wars, the first A New Hope and whatever planet that is, there's a lovely sunset scene with lots of moons and it's oh, look at that. The binary sunset on Tatooine. That's the one. Yeah. Something like that. It's, oh, we're going to get two moons. Brilliant. Oh, I want a binary sunset. Yeah. That'd be lovely to look at. It would, but unfortunately, 
this moon is not going to be around for ages and it's also tiny. They also are not sure whether it is an asteroid or a artificial satellite, a man-made satellite that's just kind of like veered off course. So there's some <laughs> speculation about that. It's not that car. No. <laughs> oh, Elon Musk's yeah. car. No, that's firmly on the way to Mars. Right, okay. So, all right, genuinely, we've lost a satellite. But, well, there's 5,000 5, of them up there. You'd, you'd have thought if you sent a satellite up, you'd kind of know where it is. Yes and no, because they tried to track space debris, and I think they can track objects that are up to two centimetres. Anything lower than that, they can't track. So, if you have something that's under two centimetres but rock solid and hits you square on, that's going to knock you off your trajectory a little bit. And if this happens over time, like you happen to hit like a swarm of debris, that is going to impact you greatly. So... So how it, have they lost a car? Well, it could also just be stuff that has been, de not decommissioned, but like ran out of batteries, stopped communicating, so they just tracked it. And also, not everybody tells everyone where their satellites are because there's spy satellites out there. So Russia could have a bunch of satellites up. I'm sure America knows where they are. And I'm sure Russia knows where all the American satellites are. But there's still a lot of stuff up there. Okay, so there's this sort of car shape, not car shaped thing, sorry, car sized. <laughs> It's not an actual car. I'm confusing myself now. Uh, so there is a uh, an asteroid going round. Yep. Well, it might be a man-made satellite, and you said it's temporary. Why? Because this isn't actually orbiting the Earth. This asteroid is orbiting the Sun, and it just happens to have veered into Earth's orbit, and it's got caught in Earth's gravitational pull. And it will orbit it for a while. It'll do a few loops, but then it will eventually either get flung out or carry on its path. So it's kind of like cars on a roundabout, like you go off at your own exit. You don't all go around at the same time. Uh, I was going to do a barn dance analogy. Okay. Barn well, you're all going around with it, your arm out slightly and someone hooks onto you and you go, oh crap. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to go that way. So it's just a temporary moon, like yes. a temp worker. Kind of <laughs> by the time it's settled in, we've learnt its name, it's gone. Yes, exactly. And that will be April 2020. Is that, is that definite? Sorry, that, That's roughly when they think it will go. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's got a leaving date. Yeah. <laughs> Three-month contract yeah. and then you're off. That's pretty good. So there is some foreign moon news, plural this time, because there are several headlines, uh, two of which are vaguely interesting. One of which is table salt discovered on Europa. <laughs> that that is interesting to me. The voice of ignorance, because why why has someone put some table salt on Europa? Was uh, there like a dinner party? <laughs> just <laughs> I'll just have a dinner party on Europa. No one's turned up yet, but I'm sure they will. As soon as they invent long distance space travel, they'll be here. Yeah, the Galilean mission dropped a big batch of Tesco Value 13p table salt onto the surface. <laughs> It's <laughs> just a weird, sort of <laughs> surreal moment. Yeah. Ground control go, oh, did we do that again? It took up like a significant amount of the payload. We could have put another camera on it. So it's not that? It's not. Oh. This is actually something that I read the headline and was like, well, obviously, but there's a little bit more to it than that. And the reason why I said, well, obviously, is because 
Europa is thought to have a subsurface ocean. The surface is a thick layer of ice and beneath that is a salty saline ocean because it has to be salty in order to keep liquid and also it's kept warm from the core of the moon, the molten volcanic core. So I was like, well, obviously there's going to be salt there. It's coming, there's plumes that come out of Europa, there's cracks on the surface, there's, there's ice there. Of course there's going to be salts, but specifically table salts because of the sodium chloride aspect. N-A-C-L. Is that, is that what table salt is? Yeah, N-A-C-L. N-A-C-L is like the most basic form of salt. Yeah. I, I seem to recall from my uh, A-level chemistry. Exactly. So sodium chloride, it is chloride, right? Yeah, chlor well, it's chlorine, but so, uh, yeah, sodium and chloride. Yeah, and so chemistry was not my strong point. Oh, right, okay. You way. physicist, you. Uh, what am I like? So I, I thought, oh yeah, obviously there's salt there. This, this isn't really news, but... It turns out it's because they did some recent studies using ground-based telescopes, uh, on... not satellite, on Earth. Oh, right, no, I thought you meant on Europa. No, 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 no. <laughs> what, what, hey? <laughs> using ground-based telescopes, they looked at the spectra and it indicated that there's a significant amount of, like, chlorine or chloride there. This has formed thanks to the subsurface oceans uh, being bombarded by ionised particles from Jupiter, so it's just this perfect storm of conditions that allow chloride to exist on a foreign moon. And this is good because salt is very important for life. Like you water, salt and not radiation <laughs> are things you need for life. So something else in the, in the subsurface, so beneath the ice of Europa, there may well be life there even if it's in bacterial form, that's still pretty exciting. Yes, so yeah, we should probably just caveat that and say it's not aliens, it's yeah. not, as in uh, yeah, extraterrestrials. It's, it's not those weird things from Stingray yeah, under the water. It. it is sort of bacteria type life. And that would be the, the first life being created on another planet or body yeah. that's yeah, not exactly. Earth. Which would be quite interesting. Yeah. Speaking of being bombarded with radiation, this uh, ties into another foreign moon news story, which is Titan's atmosphere is being affected by cosmic rays. What's a cosmic ray? Cosmic ray is something that comes from a star. Uh, I thought so, it was a 1970s soul singer. <laughs> Good old cosmic ray. Does he do David Bowie-esque kind of star child songs in the style of Ray Charles? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's all he ever did. Cosmic Ray. Cosmic Ray. <laughs> and now just... he's affecting Titan. So the way that they discovered this, there's certain molecules in Titan's atmosphere that are broken apart by ultraviolet radiation, which comes from the sun, but it's happening at such an alarming rate that it's more than what the sun can do. So the, right, okay, the, the output of the sun yeah. can break apart so many molecules. So therefore, they found more molecules than the sun can break up, so there must be another source. So who's uh, breaking up these other molecules? <laughs> Which planet is... The spare dinner lady that they had to bring up. It's like, break it up, break it up, yeah. you two. <laughs> so it's cosmic rays and cosmic dinner ladies yeah. now. So uh, yeah, what else produces UV in the solar system that could break up stuff? 
supermassive black holes, supernovas. So, so have we got a supermassive black hole in the solar system? And no We're talking like light years away. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we don't have one. So where's all this UV come from then? So outside of our solar system, there's just these rays going in all sorts of different directions. Foreign rays? Foreign rays from other solar from, systems. Oh, flipping heck, they're not. <laughs> oh, look at them, the bloody other solar systems sending their... <laughs> Foreign UV rays here, ionising our planet. <laughs> it's ionising tourism, that's what it is. Right, so is, is it genuinely foreign? Or? Yeah, yeah. Is it okay, oh, cool, right, because I thought it might have been reflections as well. If this seems like a really short piece, it's because we went on multiple tangents and told lots of bad jokes. So it might be cut down to three lines of, Titan is getting ionised by foreign stars. There's your headline, boom. But, uh, but the main piece of foreign moon news that we would like to talk about is about Phobos. Hey, I know about Phobos. You just stop there, Andy. Let me tell you about Phobos. Uh, obviously, for our regular listeners, which is everyone in the world, you know that last, <laughs> last month we talked about Phobos as the next moon is. Uh, however, for our new listeners, who is everyone being presumably born at the moment. Uh, uh, so Phobos was the second moon of Mars, Deimos being the other one. Yep. Phobos is famous for its rolling boulders that it did have but doesn't have any more, yep. creating the Phobos grooves. Well remembered. Yeah, which is a YouTube channel, or should be. Did you find it? Uh, no, it was just pictures of Phobos. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it might have been a record label as well, but I can't remember. But yeah, it was... Oh, remember we were talking about um, Study Beats? Yeah. Um, there was, they were all taken off YouTube temporarily for a little bit because of a copyright claim. So you know the girl doing the homework? It was a live stream. Yeah. They had to stop it and start again. So if you look at the video, it's... Thirteen and a half thousand hours long. <laughs> That's a homework session. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the comments on the new one are like, well, she finally got her homework done. <laughs> Could finally sleep as well. Yeah, I did wonder because I yeah, occasionally look at that and it's like, well, why have they put a time on this? And then it was on the news. And it was quite interesting because Google sort of automatic, I know what you what news yeah. you're interested in has now sort of said, oh, you're, you'll be interested in this story, that it's gone off air. Yeah, it's a bit alarming when that happens, isn't it? Uh, just while we're talking about Google predicting your stuff, Google is now sending me a lot of every single moon bit of news. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much. Every time I click on one of your links, it makes my uh, life a bit more moony. Good, I'm glad I'm skewing your algorithm. That's it, that's it. <laughs> Uh, that's actually a good uh, call to arms for the listeners. If you have any moon-related news that you'd like us to talk about, please send it in. Either email me uh, at iamalunatic at gmail.com. Luna spells L-U-N-A-R-T-I-C. And you could also tweet us, again, at iamalunatic. Uh, I'll put links to how you can get in touch with the show in the show notes, which are excellent, by the way. Yes, <laughs> and 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 don't don't email me. Google will already tell me about the news automatically. Uh, I I will just already magically know because of uh, algorithms. Yes, we're going to talk about uh, Phobos, Phobos, and there have been many missions to Phobos, all of which have been ill-fated. 
Including the one that got shot down by lasers. Apparently so, by the angry Phobonians. Angry Phobonians who only shot at right angles. Yes. <laughs> They're like, not now, not now, not now. Now! Oh, I was at 89. I hope they didn't get the camera out for that one. <laughs> but we're going back. I say we. Earth is Yay. going back to Phobos. I know Earth. <laughs> I live there. Uh, yes, Japan is moving ahead with its mission to not only go to Phobos, but to actually land on Phobos, take a sample of the surface and bring it back. Fantastic. That's pretty amazing. That, 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 yeah, that's pretty good. They've done it before with the asteroid mission. Oh, I thought you meant they've been to Phobos before. No, no. So, they so, yeah, we're going back. <laughs> <laughs> no biggie. Yeah. So JAXA went to an asteroid, took a sample and came back. They're going to do the same, but with Phobos. Now this is due to launch in 2024 and it will arrive at Mars in 2025. It will then spend three years orbiting and surveying uh, Mars, Phobos and Deimos because Deimos is pretty far out. And so it's going to orbit out, orbit around Deimos, take some photos, study it, go to Phobos. And the final maneuver it's going to do is sweep down, scoop up some soil, 10 grams worth of soil and come back to Earth. That's pretty good. Yeah, what most impressed me on this when I was reading it is that it's going to hop along the surface. And I think that's an allusion to the fact that the gravity is very low. So yes. it's going to sort of hit it and then can easily bounce off. But I first read that as like, it's going to be a robot they're going to build with like multiple legs and then retract one of the legs. So it's only on one leg, so it can just hop around the surface, uh, which it's, yeah, you know, the Japanese are good at technology, but that's taking the mick. If they're, <laughs> I just imagine them building a robot with two legs, just so they can say, well, we're so good at building robots, <laughs> we're just going to hop around Phobos. No, I could do it with one arm tied behind yeah, the back. That, that was it. No. We're going to build ro yeah, arms on this robot. Not, not to take samples or anything, just to juggle three eggs. Because we can. <laughs> we're freaking Japan and we're good at robots. That's all we're saying. And did I say juggle three eggs? We'll have a chainsaw. <laughs> And it'll be on fire. Freaking, we're Japan, we can do what we like, we're robots. So that's probably what the hopper will look like. It'll be, as you say, incredibly light. Uh, it'll be a light little robot, and because the gravity is so small, it can go poof, send these spikes down. So it's basically just like... Propelling or... Yeah, propelling, that's a good word for it. So firing down the rods, using those to propel it into space, uh, not too high. But this is also far more energy efficient than having a little rover, which could easily get stuck because they're not sure how deep the soil is and even how thick and porous it is because it might not be very dense at all. Like, you might be able to just easily put your hand into the first foot of it. Yeah, it could all be quicksand or... Yeah, exactly. Very, very so, fine or so this, if you put a little rover that has to have a motor that and wheels that could just end up spinning dust into space, this hopper seems to be the best way for it. Yeah, so uh, just for the people who haven't seen the uh, picture, so it's not a robot with legs that can just hop around. It's a circular disc that presumably, uh, whatever way it lands, it can then hop right and then hop to the next place. It looks like a taller than average rumba. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was it. I was trying to remember, was it? It is. Just send some vacuum cleaners to Phobos. Yeah, that, that's, what, that's what they should do. Send a rumba, make it less dusty, and then they can send the little rovers. That's what it's doing. <laughs> so this one that they sent to the asteroid of Roigu, I think that's how it's pronounced, Ryugu, uh, weighed three and a half kilograms. 
Wow. So this will, so the one they'll send to Phobos will probably weigh significantly lighter because technology has come a long way since then. So it's probably only going to weigh quite literally two kilograms, I think. So the plan is to launch in 2024, leave Mars in 2028, and return to Earth with 10 grams of Phobian soil in 2029. Yeah, I saw this. I thought this was really good because it's like the Japanese sort of plan their timetables 20 years ahead <laughs> in, in like railway to, you know, when they're building a railway, they plan it 20 years ahead. Whereas in Britain, it's just like, yeah, well, trains arrive whenever. Yeah. Uh, we might have a Liverpool station, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Crossrail? Yeah, if we, if we can bother. But yeah, the timescales of we will launch, yes, September 2024, which is probably about the same scale as the average train timetable. <laughs> which is, we'll give you a month and a year. <laughs> Be there at nine. Yeah, that's it. It's like when they deliver a sort of package to your house and so we'll be there between seven and next Wednesday. <laughs> Make sure you don't sleep because we turn up at 2 a.m. sometimes. That's it. And we don't ring the doorbell. We just leave a note and run away. That, so sorry. we tried. We're sorry we missed you. <laughs> Which is probably due to the fact we didn't really attempt. We just right, wrote this note and left it under your doormat with no actual signalling into the house. I waved. I waved at the door. But you, it just didn't open. A friend of them sort of caught them doing that and said, well, why have you left a note? And they said, well, we haven't got the package with us, so we can't deliver it anyway, so we'll just leave the note. Well, <laughs> you can't say you attempted to deliver it then, did you? You just... <laughs> you can't say I attempted to deliver this, but go come to the post office. It's, it's like, like saying it's back at Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> I attempted to deliver this. Go and collect it from the shop you originally ordered it from. Like going to Argos with actually having to get in your car from buying it at the till to going to pick it up at the other warehouse. Yeah, the concept of home delivery is not, I want to go to a place and buy stuff. Yeah. That, that's shopping. That's physically buying things. So yeah, a bit annoying that they do that. Yes. So. Very. With this return mission coming back in 2029, and it's coming back with 10 grams worth of soil, I reckon they could do this mission multiple times until they had like several tons worth of this soil, use it to build a railway and still get it done before HS2. <laughs> Probably, yeah, good old Japan. And the, so I, th I thought you were going to say, yeah, this satellite's going to return in 2029, and if no one's in, <laughs> it will say, I tried to deliver the soil, Come and collect it from Titan. <laughs> so just to wrap up the news, we have some very local moon news from, again, Moon Township in Pennsylvania. Come on, other towns called Moon. There's seven of you. You need to get your act together. Do something interesting and we'll talk about you. Well, three of them are like deserted, like gold, gold rush towns that no longer exist or something. There's still people there, though. There's houses on Google Maps. So the headlines from Moon Township, Pennsylvania. Boy Scout Troop 905 is having its 56th annual spaghetti dinner. It'll be held on March 29th from 12.30 noon to 6pm at night at St. Margaret Mary Parish Social Hall. Uh, dinner includes spaghetti, obviously. A salad... <laughs> <laughs> You just got to confirm these things. It might, it might have been named after their sort of Arcala, who uh, fifty-six <laughs> years ago was Mr. Spaghetti, an Italian immigrant who died, and actually it's like a very somber occasion. Uh, tickets at ten dollars per adult, five per child, uh, two dollar military discount, and for college students with valid ID.
which is a very wholesome little announcement. That sounds very nice. I want to go to Moon Township. Is there anything else in the news? Yes, there is actually. Moon Township Police Department put out a notice saying, we strongly advise against storing firearms in unattended vehicles because there's been a lot of break-ins in cars recently where thieves have been stealing guns from the car. <laughs> right, okay. Is this in pre preparation for the spaghetti dinner? <laughs> it's just like, oh, God. Is this the scout group? We better tool up for this lot, yeah. <laughs> they killed their first Arcalia. Remember, Mr. Spaghetti, he's dead now. We need guns. Freaking break into that car. What I think happened is someone was very eager to have spaghetti. They'd been thinking about it all day. Looked in their pocket and realised they only had $8 and they'd left their student ID at home. And they thought, oh, God. <laughs> I can't pretend I'm a child. The discount doesn't stack. I can't be a student and in the military. Duh. So I'm just going to have to break into this car and rob them of their spaghetti dinners. Theft is my only option. The image that the Moon Township Police Department used is a criminal in a balaclava with its hands on the window looking in as if he's like, oh, no, I've locked my gun in the car. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it kind of does seem to be his car, um, just from that picture of it. Also, he's leaving fingerprints all over the window. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Because I was thinking, like, if, if I wanted to look inside a car to rob stuff, I wouldn't wear a balaclava, because that's just signalling... I'm up to no good. Yes. And I would wear gloves because then I wouldn't leave my fingerprints. Whereas he's covered, the, so I wouldn't wear a balaclava and I'll wear gloves. Whereas he's done the exact opposite. <laughs> uh, he's, he's wearing a balaclava to sort of signal to everyone, I'm up to no good. And here's my fingerprints. There we go. Also, like, this is, is America in a sentence. We strongly advise against storing firearms in unattended vehicles. Dogs die in hot cars and guns get nicked. I've got an air pistol uh, oh. for reasons, um, entirely legal reasons in, in Britain. Shooting teenagers. That's it, yeah, entirely legal. But I, I was looking, okay, it's an air pistol, and you've still got to follow certain firearms rules, so you, yeah. you can't just carry it around and go, hey, I've got an air pistol. Yeah, you, you have to have it in a lockable container, and it's yeah. got to be sort of purposely transported place. You can't just randomly leave it. And yeah, uh, yeah this is kind of, I would say, just an air pistol, because you can do damage with them, but they... They're not as bad as a, a full-on firearm. And this is the, the level we go to in Britain, just to make sure no one does anything stupid. Yeah. Uh, you will look after it. You will not let it go anywhere. If it, goes, it gets into the hands of kids that are not being properly supervised, you'll be prosecuted. And there's whole rafts how to look after an air pistol properly. Yeah. And it's just like the idea that you'd ever sort of just, yeah, I'll just leave it in the car. <laughs> it's in the drinks holster. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, it's bonkers. It, it is. It is bonkers. But the Second Amendment says you can do what you like. Yeah. They, what they actually meant was you're allowed to have a pair of bare arms taxidermied so you can have a hug at any time. Ah. That's what they meant. Who right? And here arms. we are. So yeah, Moon Township. Either have a lovely spaghetti dinner or get mugged at gunpoint. <laughs> the choice is yours. <laughs> it's everyone's favourite feature, full moon of the month. Hey. And do you know what it is this month in the month of March? Uh, I do because I'm looking at the notes. Damn it! I told you not to. <laughs> yeah. It is going to be a worm moon. <laughs> Fantastic. Why do you think it's called a worm moon? Is it because worms exist in March? <laughs> uh, and they don't. Do, do worms... Because it's usually some animal that calls out or makes a noise or appears like a wolf moon or a beaver moon or something. So do, do worms shout in March in, like, the States or something? <laughs> they don't shout. This is... <laughs> 
I'm picturing like Worms Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Grenelle! This is bringing back. I'm now regressing to 1996. I've got Worms on here if you want to have a game of oh, Worms. Yeah, yeah, right. There'll now be an interlude while we have a game of Worms. <laughs> oh, it's such a good game. Called the Worm Moon because the ground is softening up because the snow is thawing, the frost is melting, the ground is getting softer, allowing worms to wriggle about in the mud, and because there's robins and birds around that peck the worms, there's all these, a lot more worms about than there should be, hence Worm Moon. But there's other names for it as well. For example, there is the Crow Moon. Right, presumably because they've, they're coming out and eating the worms. Yes, but also crows call, signalling the end of winter. <laughs> is, that, is that what their job is in nature? Yes. All right, crows, when winter's over, just give us a shout. All right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're sincerely the rest of nature. Then they had the rest of the uh, year off. It's brilliant. There was the fulcrum moon. Right. <laughs> Is this when people, everyone brings out their fulcrums? <laughs> set up a pivot and a, and a plank more, of wood? I'm guessing it has something to do with harvesting again and kicking up the harvest now that the winter's over you can start planting crops and whatnot, which is why it's also known as the plough moon and the Lenten moon, because the days are getting longer. Lenten for lengthen. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so those are all like fairly British names. Oh, there's also the Sap moon. Named after SAP, the well-known computer database and uh, workflow product. Okay, that's gonna make probably three people laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I very much doubt it will. Because <laughs> I've never heard of it. Uh, no, Sap being the gooey stuff that comes from trees that you can turn into like maple syrup and whatnot. Uh, but I like the idea of having like a full sap moon. Like he's gone full sap. It's like really weedy little kid, really into like romantic comedies and just like a really sappy person. He's full sap he is. And you complained about my database joke. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a double standard. So the ch is that a chaste moon? Oh yeah, chaste moon. Uh, I meant to look this up. I thought, let's do it now. And according to this, March is a time of purity. The earth has thawed and loosened itself from the cold hands of winter. New life will soon emerge and land will grow green with fertility. That doesn't sound like nature's being very chaste to me. No, the word fertility and chaste are usually antitheses of each other. Yeah, and the this language re is like a romantic novel, like purity, loosened in the cold hands. Yeah, I don't think that's the most scientific of websites. Admittedly, this isn't the most scientific of um, features. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, this is not uh, International Astronomical <laughs> Union approved. Okay, if in case I'm, I'm... Apologies if I'm butchering the pronunciation, but the Siwana, Shawana tribe uh, of Native Americans in Montana have certain names for the moons of the year. In January, it was the hard time moon. In February, it was the long day moon. And in March, it's the sore eye moon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> They're having a bad time. It's just like... Well, it sounds like a narrative where you had a hard time, a long day, and now you've got a sore <laughs> eye because you wouldn't get off my case. <laughs> Is this not the stages of a hangover? <laughs> 
you've read the wrong article. I want to know more of theirs because they're, they're having a really bad like year. Yeah, Just every month is bad so far. It's like an ongoing saga. So I won't, I won't tell you what April's is and we'll reveal it every yeah. time. So we've had hard time, long day, sore eye. What do you think will be after this? <laughs> oh, freaking can't go to work anymore. It's bloody awful. I was thinking the Mackie's breakfast moon. <laughs> Oh, flipping out, got shopping to do, and then I've got to get over to the garage and get petrol. Moon. <laughs> and the next moon is? Uh, it was uh, the first one in Jupiter, which is Metis. Yes, Metis. Metis being the innermost moon of Jupiter. So, it was discovered in 1979. That's, yeah, that's pretty recent. Yeah. So it was discovered in 1979 by looking at Voyager images. These images, can you spot Metis on here? Is it there? It is there because you saw the one beneath it. Yeah, it's that tiny little speck there. Bear in mind there's a massive sort of black hole thing going on top of the picture. That's the great red spot on Jupiter. Is it? Oh, well, it's not red. No, not in God, these images. They sent a colourblind satellite up. So those were the only images of it until Galileo took some more images of it when it flew past in the 90s and in 2003. Oh, right. Did so, it come back? Or? No, no. So what will have happened is it will have taken some, flown past it, gone to other parts of the Jovian system, and then gone like, OK, Metis is back in the vicinity. Let's have a quick snap at it. So yes, Metis is the innermost moon of Jupiter. How far away do you think it orbits from it? Uh, 100 kilometres. So you say 100 kilometres. It's 120,000 kilometres. I was close. <laughs> I, me I meant to say 1,000 at the end. Hey, you just forgot. I just forgot, yeah. But that's the closest moon to Jupiter. And it orbits Jupiter in 7 hours 46 minutes. Really? That's Jupiter's massive. Yeah, it is. Jupiter's huge. So to do a complete orbit, in seven hours, 46. I think it's 46, it might even be quicker than that. Oh no, sorry. So Metis orbits Jupiter in seven hours, four and a half minutes. So let's round it up to five. So seven hours, five minutes. That's amazing. That, I mean, Jupiter's massive. No one, I'm surprised that flipping um, the Galileo satellite managed to take a picture of it. So it travels at 31 kilometers a second. Hang on a minute, sorry, just, just on that. 31 kilometers a second, I've got a map of Britain. Let's let's go from London. Uh, hang on, I've got need to find a scale. So you go to the uh, centre of London to Reading in about two seconds. That's incredible. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, if it's on the the M4, it would, <laughs> it would probably slow down. Or if it's a freaking moon, it would just blow up the M4. But yeah, uh, two seconds. Wow. Uh, well, it would blow up the M4 because Metis is forty kilometres in diameter. Yeah, it would pretty much plough through the M4 quite neatly. So true or false, Metis, travelling at 31 kilometres a second, is the fastest moon in the solar system. Uh, I would say it has to be true because all the others are slower. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking, I'm not the moon expert here. Uh, it's true, it's the fastest moon because Jupiter's huge, biggest moon in the solar system. Oh yeah, yeah. Biggest, I should have, should have been planet. able to work that out actually, yes. It's the biggest planet and it's the innermost moon. It's not the innermost moon. You get you get fast. moons that are closer to their planets, but that means they just have shorter to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going around Earth is a lot less than Jupiter. So, uh, exactly. yeah, you've got a leisurely time. And our moon, quite frankly, does it at a lackadaisical pace. Yes, exactly. So, Metis is most likely to be a captured moon. So, an asteroid that got very, very close to Jupiter 
and it's now tidally locked with Jupiter. Like our moon, the same side of Metis is always facing into Jupiter. Uh, it actually rotates faster than Jupiter does. So an orbit of Metis is seven hour, five minutes, but it takes Jupiter nine hours, 56 minutes to complete a rotation. So Metis is going faster. How does that work? Oh, well in time, it's gonna slow down the orbit of Metis. So it's decaying and it'll eventually spiral into Jupiter and just be obliterated or be torn apart by the Roche limit. And what's the Roche limit? Uh, where gra the gravitational pull on the inner side is so great compared to the gravitational pull on the outer side of the moon is so great that it tears it apart, like pulling apart bread. So it overcomes the gravitational pull of the moon because you have both sides, the inner side and the outer side, pulling in because, you know, you've got a big heavy body. But when it gets close enough to Jupiter, the difference in the gravitational pull on the inner side and the outer side is so great, it overcomes the gravitational pull of that little moon itself and is pulled apart like a loaf of bread. So basically, when Jupiter and Metis come together, Jupiter will win. Yes. <laughs> well, it's already winning now because it's slowing it down and decaying the orbit. Ju Jupiter would win against anything. It is god of gods. Yeah. It is named after the Roman version of Zeus. And Metis is named after Zeus's first wife, Metis, a Titan S. And um, what's a Titan S? So you had the Titans, which oh, are like yeah. a race. Yeah. So Titan S would be a female Titan or married into the Titans. I'm not sure. <laughs> Marriage means nothing to the, the Greeks. So I don't know, know why they said wife, but it's some it's clearly of some significance because she's named after a actual union between Zeus as opposed to some of the conquests and consorts that Zeus has had. And he has had many. Yes, each with a moon named after them. Well, eventually. Eventually. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Other than Metis being a small, tidally locked little moon that's the fastest in the solar system, it's also got a lot more going on in that it might be a shepherd moon as well, because Jupiter has a ring. No, it doesn't. It does. No, it doesn't. Saturn has a ring. Saturn has a very, very visible ring, but Jupiter has a very faint ring that you can see when you get up close to it. Right, that, that'll be why I haven't seen it, because I've never been close to Jupiter, because it's freaking miles away. It, it, it is a bit out of your commute. Yeah. <laughs> so Jupiter's ring, it's very faint, but it's held in place by many different factors, but one of which is Metis is actually shepherding these particles together, and little meteorite impacts on Metis kick up dust, and that contributes to the actual ring itself. So the ring is made of dust, dust is coming off Metis from little meteorites that hit it. Not just Metis, the other inner moons of Jupiter as well, which are Metis, Adastrea, Amalthea, and Thebe. Not Phoebe, yeah. Phoebe. Right. T-H-E-B-E. Yeah. So those four yeah, listing off the new cast of Friends. <laughs> no one told you life was gonna be in space. <laughs> <laughs> you're dead now. <laughs> you've lost oxygen and you're, you've reached Jupiter's rush limit. You're dead. Featuring Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> Could I be any more dead? <laughs> and that's all you get to say in space. No one can hear you be sarcastic. Um, so do you have any questions about Metis? Would you like to know anything more about Metis? Right, so I'm looking at the, uh, the best images we have of Metis now and um, yeah, it looks a bit blurry. Yeah. That's, that's my non-expert opinion. Just if you can tell NASA to go back and sort it out and, and refocus. Well, funny you should mention that. There is a satellite out there now called Juno 
and it doesn't plan on going to Metis specifically. However, it might get within the vicinity of it, or it might be taking a photo of Jupiter and Metis just happens to cross it. The cameras are a lot better and they might actually be able to get a higher resolution image of it. Because if you look here, you can tell there's like discrepancies, like it's not a single color across the surface. That looks like a little crater. So there's probably something interesting going on in Metis. And if it's tidally locked and in the ring, there'll be a massive discrepancy between the leading and trailing sides. So the side facing into the moon, it's like driving into the rain. That's going to just be covered in all sorts of dust. And the, the backside of Metis is going to be clean as a whistle. <laughs> right. Okay, so we're looking for windscreen wipers on the front side of Metis. <laughs> that would be uh, useful. So, uh, yeah, this is part of my Let's Learn Every Moon in the Solar System. So to remember Metis, I'm going to use it's the fastest moon in the solar system, bit blurry, and uh, it's getting hit by meteorites, creating a dust ring around Jupiter. Yes, I think that's a nice, concise little uh, summary of Metis. So, nice to meet you, Metis. Hey. That's taken my total up to four. Excellent. So next week, I did tell you the name of uh, one of the other inner moons. Uh, Ganymede, tit Titan. <laughs> Titan's around Saturn. Oh, Ganymede's the biggest moon of the solar system. Uh, Io. No. I reeled off the four names. As, oh, like... Phoebe. No. Chandler. <laughs> Ross. Rachel. No one likes Ross. Gunther. Oh, good memory for remembering Gunther. Fraser. This isn't Cheers. <laughs> it's also Fraser. Captain Mannering, Basil Fawlty. It's Adastrea. Adastrea, okay. Or, uh, sorry, Adrastea. How would you pronounce this? Adrastea. Adrastea. That's the next moon out that we'll be looking at. Adrastea. I don't remember that character, but I'm sure it was a great episode. <laughs> or tune in next time where we'll be talking about Adrastea. I'll learn how to pronounce it for then and... Pretty sure it was Monica. <laughs> <laughs>